0: As I've told you every single week, uh, this is not designed to give you an in-depth look at every single book of the Bible. We only have like a little over an hour, and uh, we are not going to cover every single verse of the 150 chapters in Psalms. Uh, But hopefully it'll give you an overview, and at the end here we'll see... Uh, some specific ways that God is speaking to us. So, when you hear the book of Psalms, what do you think of? I think of David. David? Okay, very good. Anybody sort of else? like poetry. A
1: portrait?
0: Yeah, a portrait, you poetry. Know. poetry. Poetry. Poetry, okay. Yeah, you got that funny southern accent that I don't understand. Okay. Poetry, Yes? Yes? Uh, often this does. Uh, Last week we said Job is kind of that transition from the historical books to the poetry books. So yes, uh, Psalms is uh, considered a part of the poetry of the Old Testament. Anybody else? And
1: songs.
0: Songs, yes. There is actually a particular denomination, uh, the Reformed Presbyterians, that all of their music in their church are the psalms that are set to tunes. And uh, I spent about a year, year and a half, going to a Reformed Presbyterian seminary. And when we would have chapel, you know, you would know the tune. It would be like to Amazing Grace, but it would be like Psalm uh, 17 set to the tune of Amazing Grace. And that's all they sing in their churches are the psalms. Anybody else have anything you think of when you hear well,
1: the psalms? Well, think of David, you know, the humanity of David. It's an inspiration to me because he's, he was up and down. Mm-hmm. I mean, He started out a psalm, Lord, why have you forsaken me? And then he starts praising him. Mm-hmm. So it's a real instructive that even when we don't feel like it, we still can praise God.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep,
1: yep
0: which is a great point in the fact that in the Psalms uh, there is probably a psalm somewhere that speaks to whatever condition you find yourself in on any given day. It speaks to every single human emotion, happiness and joy and sadness and frustrations and disappointments. Uh, Wherever you are in your life, there is a psalm that speaks to whatever stage you find yourself in, loss and grief and um, uh, repentance and, and all those things we find throughout the pages of psalms. Anybody else? Yeah, go ahead.
1: I think that speaks to I think David allow himself to just live. Mm -hmm. He lived fully. Um, There's a tendency in our in culture in some cultures more than others, where you don't you just don't show certain emotions in Mm -hmm. public. But David just he just let it all hang out.
0: (laughs) Let's all hang out. Yes, yes. Um, Very good. Anyone else? No? Okay. Uh, Psalms. Uh, the Hebrew word for the book of Psalms is a word that literally means plucking of the strings. Strings? Strings. Oh, strings. Yeah, I have a funny northern accent. <laughs>
1: <laughs> is that what we're or do we
0: Yeah, well, you can write that if you want. I'm not telling you what you have to write. <laughs> plucking of the strings. Uh, Which lends itself to the fact that it was uh, a book that was written and was compiled for people to sing. And uh, we'll see that as we go through here. In the Greek, that's where our word Psalms comes from. It comes from the the Septuagint. Remember I told you they took the Old Testament, translated it from the Hebrew and the Aramaic into the Greek. And uh, so the, the word Psalms comes from the Greek word for that, which means a praise song praise song. And so uh, you can see both the Hebrew and the Greek uh, come from uh, the idea that it is supposed to be a song book. Now, uh, Psalms is also an unusual book in the fact that other books of the Bible, there's usually one author, sometimes there may be two authors. Psalms is different in the fact that it has many different authors. Uh, this is kind of like the original Pandora. Anybody listen to Pandora? Um, it's a little app you can get on your phone and you can put in there 80s love songs and all we'll play is the 80s love songs Okay, not that anybody outside of me probably likes to listen to 80s love songs but anyways uh And it'll just play those songs. And so Psalms, I oftentimes think of that. Psalms is like the very first ever uh, um, Pandora in the fact that you can go through there and you can pick out the uh, different psalms that talk about different aspects of life. And so it's different in the fact that it has a lot of different authors. And some several have mentioned it. The the first author that comes to your mind of Psalms is. David, that's exactly right. And David wrote 75 of the 150 psalms. He wrote one half of all the psalms. And uh, if you turn back to Second Samuel chapter 23, of course you know Second Samuel deals a lot with uh, the life of David. Second Samuel chapter 23 verse one, it says this, "Now these are the words of David. David the son of Jesse declares, the man who was raised on high declares, the anointed of the God of Jacob and the sweet psalmist of Israel. Okay, so that was a descriptive that was used here of David at the end of his life, uh, that he was the sweet psalmist of Israel. He was the guy who was uh, the lyrical giant of uh, Israel. He wrote many of these psalms. And as we see here, 75, he wrote one half of all these psalms. The second one is Asaph, A-S-A-P-H. Asaph served as kind of like a, uh, uh, a worship leader in Israel. And he wrote 12 of the 150 psalms. So about 10% of them. Uh, the next group that we see is not just one person. It's a group. It is the Sons of Korah. The sons of Korah. And actually there is a modern band today uh, called the Sons of Korah. And that's what they do is they sing the psalms. Uh, and if you ever have a chance or if you think about it, uh, do like a Google search for the Sons of Korah. They have some videos on uh, YouTube and things like that. They do some pretty good uh, uh, music set. It's the Psalms set to different types of music, and, and it's really a, a good job. Got your news, dude? Oh, come on in.
1: You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey. <laughs> That is K O
0: R A H, K O R A H, K O R A H.
1: K- okay, Yes.
0: Sons of Korra. There's,
1: there's a good one right over here. good shape right over there. Scoot this
0: way, good. Scoot your chair this way. Thanks, sir. I
1: know it. Uh, <room>.
0: Yes. If you want to fill in blanks, uh, somebody next to you can probably help you. We're we're not we've just started, so uh, there's only like four or five blanks to fill in. So the sons of Korra were just like the name uh, portrays, is it was actually a group of singers that would sing the psalms, and so they were kind of like the world's first band, <laughs> so to speak. Okay, so they wrote uh, ten of the hundred fifty psalms. The sons of Korah. I
1: That's the third one.
0: Yes. Moving on to the fourth one now, and the fourth one is Solomon. Who was Solomon? David's son. Yes. And so we know David was a musician. You know, he played the harp and uh, played it and, and calm the nerves of Saul. And so you can only assume that he probably passed on some of those things that he knew about music and things like that to his son Solomon. However, Solomon only wrote uh, two of those psalms. Uh, next is an unusual one that uh, you may not guess unless you know this. It's always a good trivia question. Who wrote one psalm that you would not expect? Lived a long time before Psalms was written. Moses. Man, you, don't, you don't think of Moses as being a songwriter. Uh, you think of Moses as being a leader. But Moses wrote one out of uh, all these 150 psalms. And that psalm is, you might know? Probably not, you didn't know it was Moses. Psalm 90 was written by Moses. Uh, and let's just flip over there. You can, If you have a Bible, and we're going to talk about this in a minute, the superscriptions, uh, it probably says in yours, uh, at Psalm 90, a uh, Psalm of Moses. Prayer of Moses. A prayer of Moses, the man of God. Yeah. And of course, if you read over Psalm 90, you can, and know that Moses wrote this, you understand um, some of the... Let me just read it. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were born, you, you, or you gave birth to the earth and the world. Even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn man back into dust and say, "Return, O children of men." For a thousand years in your sight is are like yesterday when it passes by, or as a watch in the night. You have swept them away like a flood, they fall asleep. In the morning they are like the grass which sprouts anew. In the morning it flourishes and sprouts anew, toward evening it fades and withers away. For we have been consumed by your anger, and by your wrath we have been dismayed. You have placed our iniquities before you, our secret sins, in the light of your presence. For all our days have declined in your fury, we have finished our years like a sigh. As for the days of our life, they contain 70 years, or if due to strength, 80 years. Yet their pride is but labor and sorrow; for soon it is gone and we fly away. Who understands the power of your anger and your fury according to the fear that is due you? So teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. Do return, O Lord, how long will it be? And be sorry for your servants. O satisfy in the morning with your loving kindness, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days you have afflicted us, and the years we have seen evil. Let your work appear to your servants, and your majesty to your to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and confirm us the work of your hands. Yes, confirm the work of our hands. And so that is a psalm that is written by Moses.
1: He had to write that when he was at least at least before he was eighty years old because he said seventy. Yeah eighty years. Or perhaps eighty. Yeah. Uh-huh. He might have wrote
0: that for his thesis when he got <laughs> to his from the University of Colorado. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. And somebody else wrote uh, one and that is He Man. The master of the universe. H E M A N. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but that's how it's spelled He Man. H E M A N. Oh. Yeah. Another 80s reference. I grew up, I watched He Man on television. He Man. Not He Man. H E M A N. He Man. (laughs) He Man. Uh, many believe that he was part of the sons of Korah and maybe was the founder of the Korahite choir uh, and so uh, that is Heman, Psalm 88 is the one that he wrote and then next is a, another one written by a person was Ethan and most believe that he was probably a, a Levite, a priest and so he wrote one of the 150 psalms. He actually wrote Psalm 89. So you can see 88, 89, and 90 were all psalms that, one psalm that one individual wrote each. So Heman
1: wrote uh,
0: 88. 88, yes. No, or Noah. <laughs> Moses wrote 90. Uh, Ethan wrote 89. And Heman wrote uh, 88. <laughs> what
1: did Solomon write? What did Solomon
0: uh, Solomon, uh, Psalm seventy-two and one twenty-seven, and then the re- remaining forty-eight psalms was written by. By have a wild guess. Who?
1: Really? Yes,
0: that's that's right. Who? Yes, uh, the last forty-eight psalms was written by anonymous writers. So yeah, who's on first? What's on second? I don't know. Third base. Okay. uh So yeah, the last uh, third of them there, 48 of them, they're written by people. Now they may have been written by David, they may have been written by Solomon, they may have been written by somebody else. Just nobody really knows who wrote those. So you can see this book of Psalms was written by many different authors, which makes it unlike any other book in our Bible okay now superscriptions if you have most Bibles have a superscription for some of these 116 of the Psalms have superscriptions now these superscriptions are not in the original manuscript okay Uh they were added later however even though they were added later they are considered very reliable okay and it lets us know who was the writer and some of those things and so superscriptions usually are used in three different ways. The first one is for historical information. Historical information. Be psalms three? Yes. Okay, so some of these psalms will have um, it'll just give you uh, some historical information. Like if you turn over to Psalm seven, um, I don't know how to say that word. But Psalm seven says it's a shigion of David, which he sang to the Lord concerning Cush, a Benjamite. Okay, so it is
1: a meditation.
0: Okay, there you go. Um, so it gives you some of that historical context as to what, when David wrote this why he may, may have written it. Um, if you look over it's probably in Psalm 51 it should give you a pretty good description as to why that psalm was written.
1: Who do
0: you wrote the descriptions? Who those? Yeah. I'm not really sure. No. Uh, it's Psalm 51 for the choir director, a Psalm of David when Nathan the prophet came to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Okay, and so this is when Nathan comes to him and he says, you know, remember we talked about this back and when we were in Samuel, and uh, he sins with Bathsheba, has Uriah killed, and Nathan comes and says, you know, what are you going to do if this rich man, uh, somebody comes to visit him, he takes his poor man neighbors little pet sheep, kills it. What would you do? He's going to pay back threefold. Nathan says, you are the man. And so after Nathan says, you are the man, David sits down and writes these words, be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. And he talks about being washed thoroughly, and he talks about his transgressions, and he talks about uh, being purified and finding redemption with God and bring back the, the joy of my salvation. Uh, verse 10, C- Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Deliver me from my blood guiltiness. And so you can see, uh, it really helps to know that this was after Nathan had come and confronted him about his sin, and David, at this point, uh, pours his heart out to God. Okay, some of them, some of the psalms will, ta- will, uh, will have a superscription for musical instruction. Musical instructions, yes. Over in Psalm 4, if you look at the superscription there, it says, For the choir director on stringed instruments. So here he's having, telling you how this song is to be played. You know, don't play it with the percussion, don't play it with the brass instruments or the woodwinds. This is to be played with a stringed instrument, okay? The bass guitar, the electric guitar, something like that is what you know, God had in mind for this, right? Nobody laughs at my jokes anymore, it's okay. Uh, okay, then finally, uh, there are uh, times of important pauses. If you're here still in Psalm 4, I know I gave you an example of Psalm 3, 4, which is just a page over. Uh, in verse 4 of Psalm chapter 3, it says, I was crying to the Lord with my voice, and he answered me from his holy mountain, Selah. Okay? And chapter 3 has uh, several in there. Uh, chapter 4 has some. And so they believe that this was there for to get the singers, when they were to sing, that they were to pause at this point. And many believe that it was really to allow those words, those previous words that were just spoken or sung, to sink in. Uh, If you go to chapter 4, verse uh, 2. O sons of men, how long will my honor become a reproach? How long will you love what is worthless and aim at deception? Pause. He's asking that rhetorical question. And he wants people to think about it. Okay, He doesn't want them to go on to the next verse yet. He says, stop and think about what I've just said. How long will you love what is worthless and aim at deception? So stop there and think about those words. Think about the question that God has just asked you. How long will you do this? Okay, And so those are superscriptions and notations that we find uh, throughout the, the book of Psalms. Now there are several different types of psalms, and uh, I give you not now um, when we talk about these at the far right hand there. I give you three examples of each one: um, Psalm 1, Psalm 37, Psalm 119. Um, these are just simply examples. There's way more than what I give you examples of. Uh, a whole list of them, but I didn't have room to put them all on there. So these are just three examples. Okay, and and. All, these, all the psalms, all these 150 psalms, according to Bible scholars, usually fall into one of these categories. The first one is wisdom psalms. And they are psalms that provide practical guidelines for godly living. Wayne County Schools are in a two-hour delay tomorrow.
1: <laughs> huh? What did,
0: huh? Wayne County Schools are on a two-hour delay tomorrow.
1: Why? Right. Because Flood of flooding. Yeah. Oh, it's not goodness. supposed to crash until tomorrow sometime, is it? The we'll news goes Goldsboro. I nah, have no idea. I don't think so. They keep moving it.
0: Our policy says that we follow Wayne County Schools for on days of inclement weather. Now they had a two-hour delay on Thursday, but not on Friday. But we started at regular time on Thursday. I don't know why they did Thursday, but not Friday. Anyways, Uh, whatever. So they were just texting me to find out what we were going to (laughs) do. I'm not opposed to that. (laughs) I was yawning on the way down here. And Beth said, you're yawning already? This week hasn't even started. Okay, so wisdom psalms. Uh, they provide practical guidelines for godly living. Now what I wanted to do is, uh, uh, really I wanted to take one of these and just read through them so you can see how this is a wisdom psalm. So in Psalm chapter 1, uh, is considered a wisdom psalm. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So that's an example of a wisdom psalm. He said if you do this, God's going to bless you and things will work well for you if you don't do this then you're going to experience hardships and tribulations and difficulties okay the second type is are called ro- royal psalms royal r o y a l and they describe the coming messianic rule so these are psalms that Uh, prophesy, prophesy the coming of the Messiah, they prophesy his rule and his reign on the earth, and an example of that is Psalm 2. Why are the nations in an uproar and the peoples devising a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs, the Lord scoffs at them. Then he will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his fury, saying, But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. I will surely tell the decree of the Lord. He said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance and the very ends of the earth as your possession.'" You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall shatter them like earthenware. Now therefore, O king, show discernment. Take warning, O judges of the earth. Worship the Lord with reverence and rejoice with trembling. Do homage to the Son that he he not become angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath may soon be kindled, how blessed are all who take refuge in him. So that's a, uh, an example of a royal psalm, it talks about the, the coming of the Messiah. Now the third type is lament psalms, L-A-M-E-N-T, lament, lament. And those are typical heart cries for God's deliverance, uh, sadness, the guy's broken, he's crushed in spirit. Um, Chapter 3 is an example of that. O Lord, how my adversaries have increased. Many are rising up against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no deliverance for him in God. Pause. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the one who lifts my head. I was crying to the Lord with my voice, and he answered me from his holy mountain. Pause. I lay down and slept. I awoke, for the Lord sustains me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you have smitten all my enemies on the cheek. You have shattered the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be upon your people. Okay? So that was an example of a lament psalm. Uh, another type are imprecatory psalms. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I-M-P-R-E-C-A-T-O-R-Y. It looks
1: nothing after you
0: spell it. I-M-P-R-E-C-A-T-O-R-Y. Looks definitely after you're
1: spelling.
0: Yes, imprecatory psalms, they invoke God's wrath. And so uh, the psalmist is asking God to step in and to intervene and to... um, Now, I'm not going to read all of uh, Psalm 7. O Lord my God, in you I have taken refuge. Save me from all those who pursue me and deliver me. Or he will tear my soul like a lion, dragging me away while there is none to deliver. O Lord my God, if I have done this, if there is injustice in my hands, if I have rewarded evil to my friend, or have plundered him, who without cause was my adversary, let the enemy pursue my soul and overtake it, and let him trample my life down to the ground and lay my glory in the dust. Arise, O Lord, in your anger, lift up yourself against the rage of my adversaries, and arouse yourself for me. You have appointed judgment." Let the assembly of the peoples encompass you, and over them return on high. Okay, so it's those psalms in which the psalmist is asking God to deal with unrighteous people in a just and holy manner. The next type are Thanksgiving psalms. And these are just psalms that uh, are written to show gratitude and thanksgiving to God for all that he has done. Psalm 8. Anybody want to sing it? <laughs> o oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. <laughs> okay. Uh, o oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth who have displayed your splendor above the heavens from the mouth of infants and nursing babes you have established strength because of your adversaries to make the enemy in a revengeful cease when I consider your heavens the work of your fingers the moon and the stars which you have ordained what is man that you take thought of him and the son of man that you take care of him for you have made him a little lower than God and you crowned him with glory and majesty You make him to rule over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea, whatever passes through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Okay? So it's just a psalm there of thanksgiving. The next type are pilgrimage songs. Okay, okay. But was Psalms
1: 43? What was that?
0: Pilgrimage. P-I-L-G-R-I-M-A-G-E. And these were psalms that were typically sung as they traveled to Jerusalem for uh, a special feast, a special celebration. So Passover, uh, the Feast of Booths, all these different things. uh, They would... Sing these songs while they were making this pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Okay? And so Psalm 43, Psalm 84, Psalm 134 are all examples of those. So I'm not going to um, read those to you. And then uh, the last uh, group are enthronement Psalms. What? Enthronement. And they're psalms that are written to describe God's sovereign rule over all things, over all of creation. And uh, Psalm 48, 93, 99 are all examples of them. Now, not every psalm... Simply falls into each one of these categories because sometimes you may have a psalm that kind of overlaps into two different or three different categories. Okay, so it could be a song of lament, but it's also an imprecatory psalm. You know, he's asking for deliverance, and then he's asking God to do something mighty and against all these wicked people. And so they don't always all really fit into the nice, neat categories. Uh, sometimes you read it and you say, "Man, he's giving thanks here," and then you know he's about the Messiah here okay and so it could be that they fall into different categories so so don't think that you know each Psalm each of the 150 Psalms very easily falls into each one of these categories okay now uh, an outline of the book of Psalms if you have a Bible that has superscriptions if you are back at Psalm chapter 1 what is a superscription that you have above Psalm chapter 1 What's that? The
1: Genesis
0: book. Genesis book or book one. Okay. And uh, the book of Psalms is divided into five different books. Okay. And at the end of each of these books is a great doxology. I know that we don't sing it here. Anybody grew up in a church where you sang the dox- doxology? Praise, Praise God, God from them. whom all blessings flow. Yes. They all used to, didn't they? Years and years
1: ago.
0: Yeah, most, church. churches, most churches did, yeah. Okay, Um, so each of these books, each of these five books, the last verses of that book of that portion of Psalm ends with a doxology to God and that's kind of the transition into the next book so book one deals primarily with humanity so Psalm 1 to Psalm 41 it deals with man, and sin, and salvation, and redemption, and and all these aspects of humanity. Okay, and then the doxology for that book is found in Psalm 41, verse 13, where it says this, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting, amen, and amen. Okay? Okay? then starting in uh, Psalm 42 is Book 2, and that deals primarily with Israel. And so from Psalm 42 to Psalm 72 deals primarily with Israel, the rise, their fall, their uh, redemption through God. And then... uh, the uh, doxology there is found in chapter 72 verses 18 and 19 blessed be the Lord God the God of Israel who alone works wonders and blessed be his glorious name forever and may the whole earth be filled with his glory amen and amen does anybody know what amen means what's that
1: let let it be so
0: let it be so or that's true or something like that yeah Alright, and then book 3 starts with Psalm 73 and goes all the way to Psalm 89. And that deals with the sanctuary. Sanctuary. And that doxology is found in Psalm 89, verse 52. Blessed be the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. And... Amen. Yeah, okay. Yes. <laughs> Audience participation is always good. Okay. Oh, okay. I didn't hear you. You didn't say a lot. <laughs> all right. Then Book 4 begins with Psalm 90 and goes all the way to Psalm 106. And that deals mostly with earth and all the inhabitants of the earth and all the nations of the earth. Uh, now, somebody here has broken this down into three subsections. Number one is blessing needed, Psalm 90 to 94, that the earth needs the blessings of God. Uh, Next is blessings anticipated, Psalm 95 to 100. And then the last one is blessing enjoyed, Psalm 101 to 106. And you can see Psalm 101 begins with, I will sing of the loving kindness and justice to you, O Lord. I will sing praises. So he's enjoying the blessings of God. And then that section concludes with the doxology in Psalm 106, verse 48. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting even to everlasting. And let all the people say, Amen. Amen." Praise the Lord. Okay? And then the final section, book 5, Starts in Psalm 107, goes all the way to Psalm 150, contains the longest book of the Bible or chapter of the Bible, which is Psalm 19. 119. And what did I tell you? If you, those of you are were here last week, we talked about this for a second. Every verse in Psalm 119 mentions what? The alphabet?
1: No, the scripture. The
0: yes, mentions the, mentions the word. So, what do you think the last uh, part of the book five is? God's word.
1: what we Yeah.
0: What? God's word.
1: God's
0: word. 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 That's what I thought you. Word to your mother. Psalm 150 verse 6, it's the last doxology of the book. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Okay, So five books, these five books of Psalms are also sometimes uh, uh, referred to as, uh, let's see here, I want to get to um, the right phrase, yes, it's sometimes called the Pentateuch of David. Because it mirrors the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Bible. And that's what I have here. The five books of Psalms draws a close parallel to the Pentateuch. P-E-N-T-A-T-E-U-C-H.
1: T-E-P-E-N-T-A-T-E-U-C-H.
0: All right. First five books of the Bible. Genesis deals primarily with what? Creation, Creation humanity. Okay. Exodus deals mostly with what?
1: <laughs>
0: Israel in slavery in bondage. God brings them out. Uh, Leviticus deals primarily with. Worship, uh, the priesthood, the Levites. Yes. Uh, Genesis 2 Leviticus. Numbers deals with what? People. Uh, Talks about the nations of the earth and they number all the people. And then Deuteronomy is the law. God's word. See the parallel? Book 1 of Uh, Psalms deals with humanity, Genesis. Book two deals with Israel, Exodus. Book three deals with sanctuary, Leviticus. Book four deals with earth, Numbers. Book five deals with God's word, Deuteronomy. Okay? And uh, I think was was it you that said in yours it said Genesis book one? Yeah, okay. So yours actually says it in there, the uh, parallel between the two. (laughs) <laughs> and i read all the other stuff. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so oftentimes, like I said, oftentimes uh, Psalms is referred to as the Pentateuch of David uh, because he kind of goes back and rehashes those first five books of the Bible through uh, through Psalms. Does anybody have a favorite Psalm? Ninety-one. Ninety-one. Okay. <clears throat> 23. Psalm twenty-three.
1: Mm-hmm. What was your question?
0: You have a favorite Psalm. Ninety. Psalm ninety. Psalm one, yes. Uh I have a fondness for Psalm 51. Um, there you see just the redemption, the forgiveness, the patience, the faithfulness of God for us as sinful people. Um, you know, David knows that he has sinned greatly and just throws himself at the mercy of God. Some interesting facts about Psalms, and uh, I'm going to insult your intelligence and just read these to you. Psalm 108 is the center of the 31,173 verses of the Bible. I counted it. (laughs) (laughs) No, I did not. (laughs) I'm just taking somebody else's word for that. Okay so 31,173 verses of the Bible, the exact center of all those verses is Psalm 1188. So if you just turn over there 100, 108 so, 118.
1: 118
0: verse 8. Yeah, okay I'm sorry. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. Is that not the whole theme of the entire Bible? <laughs> uh, trust in God, don't trust in man. Okay. Uh, Psalm 18 is the exact same as 2 Samuel 22. Okay, so um, if you turn back here to Psalm 18. What's that? Plagiarism. Plagiarism. Yeah. He self-plagiarized, right? Uh, when I was working on my doctorate degree and we'd have assignments, uh, they would uh, always tell us of course, you're not allowed to plagiarize anyone else, but even you're not allowed to plagiarize yourself. Like if you wrote something for another class, you can't turn that in for this class and get credit for it. You actually have to write something new. You cannot plagiarize yourself. And so uh, that's what David has done here, I guess. So he's plagiarized himself. So Psalm 18 and uh, 2 Samuel 22 are the exact, are, are the same. So if you read those, uh, you can see the, the likeness there. Uh, there also are a few psalms in which uh, they are similar and have a lot of likenesses as well in the two of them. Um, I don't have those right in front of me right now. Uh, psalms is the most quoted book in the New Testament. Out of all the Old Testament, out of all 360 Old Testament quotes in the New Testament, 112 of them are from Psalms. So overwhelmingly. Uh, Psalms has the longest and the shortest chapters of the Bible. We said that Psalm 119 is the longest with 176 verses. Psalm 117, just two chapters before that, only has two verses. So you, uh, read, if you're reading straight through the Bible and Psalm 117 is your chapter for that day, pretty easy. You get two days later, Psalm 119, and you're going to be sitting there a little while. Okay. And then uh, Psalms, of course, contains many prophecies concerning the Messiah. Uh, Some say it's probably second in the Old Testament, only behind Isaiah, which is just filled with Messianic prophecy. Uh, And you would suspect that because it's so long. Okay? Uh, Turn over to Psalm chapter 103. We're going to look at specifically verses 6 through 14 this evening, but I want to read verses 1 through 5 um, so we can see. uh, This really talks about our Heavenly Father and what kind of Father we have. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Uh, Yes, Matt Redmond did not write those words. Those come from David. Okay. Uh, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the sons of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. Okay? Uh, I found here the top ten things you'll never hear a dad say. Okay? Number ten. Well, how about that? I'm lost. Looks like we'll have to stop and ask for directions. (laughs) (laughs) Number nine. Now that you're 13, you'll be ready for unchaperoned dates. Won't that be fun? These are things you'll never hear a dad say. Number eight I noticed that all your friends have a certain hostile attitude. I like that. (laughs) Number seven Here's a credit card and the keys to my new car. Go crazy. Number six You want to play football? Figure skating's not good enough for you, son. Uh, number five your mother and I are going away you might want to consider throwing a party Uh, number four what's wrong with your car have it towed to a mechanic and pay whatever he asks Uh, number three no son of mine is going without an earring quit your belly aching and go to the mall number two what what do you want to go and get a job for I make plenty of money for you to spend and then the number one thing, you'll never hear your dad say, Sure, honey, go ahead and use my tools. <laughs> um, the Bible is here so that we can hear what God has to say to us. Okay, And here in Psalm 103, I think we get a very great picture of what our Heavenly Father is like. Uh, I went to college with a girl that... Uh, Came from a very rough family. Uh, Her father was abusive emotionally, physically. relationally all kinds of ways you can think of and uh... i remember her sitting in our class and our professor was talking about how god is our father and uh... she sat with her arms folded the entire class period and the whole time and uh... finally spoke up and said i would never see god as my father because this is what my father has been like Okay, and so i realized that there are a lot of people who it's hard for them to see god as their father because they didn't have a very good example while they were growing up but here we see a very great picture of our Heavenly Father but I also think of what even us as earthly fathers should be like in the lives of our children and so I just want to share with you just uh, uh, four characteristics of our Heavenly Father number one is the slowness of his anger the slowness of his anger in uh, verses 6 and 7 here David is recounting those interactions that God and Moses had with one another and then in verse 8 he says this the Lord is compassionate and gracious slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness he will not always strive with us nor will he keep his anger forever uh, he's compassionate he's gracious yeah, uh, you know, One of my favorite words in the Bible is this word, loving kindness, because I always like to say the Hebrew word for loving kindness, and the Hebrew word for loving kindness is chesed. It's just fun to say, right? Chesed. Okay? Everybody want to say that together? Chesed. You just, like you're going to spit a big loogie out of your mouth. Chesed. Okay? Uh, If you, uh, in... (laughs) <laughs> the, uh, that ventriloquist, uh, um, what's his name? Jeff Dunham. Jeff Dunham, yeah. He has a, he has a, um, a puppet that uh, his name's Ahmed. And he says, how do you spell that? And he says, A-C-Flem, okay? And that's how you say hesed. It's, it's h flem Okay, but it, that word "hesed" means uh, the loving kindness of God, and it's a it's a word that really doesn't translate well into English because it has there's so many different facets facets to its meaning. It uh, it's a merciful love. It's a long suffering love. It's a love that never uh, never fails. It's a love that that endures forever and ever. And so every time you I see it in the English Bible as loving kindness, I think of that word because there really is no description and it's a great way to understand the the compassion of God it's it's a compassion that you and I cannot even begin to understand he is slow to anger Uh, (laughs) this past Christmas um, the week before Christmas I took the kids and we went and visited my parents and uh uh, I got my dad's lawn tractor out, and uh had a little wagon on the back of it, and uh, we were going around the farm, and I was picking up some firewood that my dad can, can could burn, and so I allowed Holden to drive this lawn tractor, and uh, it's funny, we were just talking about this last night, weren't we, And uh, or two nights ago, and uh, Holden has a tendency to not listen to anything that I tell him to do, okay? <laughs> uh, and so we're, he's driving this lawn tractor, I said, all right, turn left, and he continues to go straight, like he's going to go down over this huge bank and the mower's going to tumble and I would never hear the end of it because it's my dad's brand new John Deere tractor and, you know, he that's very precious to him. <laughs> okay, so he won't listen to me, so I get so frustrated, I said. I, I literally did that and I ran away from him and there's this huge pile of snow and I got down on my knees and I'm like pff, 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 pff. I was punching the snow
1: <laughs>
0: and Holden laughs and laughs and laughs about that just the other night he was doing it. Hey dad remember this? And he got down on his knees right in front of the couch and he went and he's punching the cushions on the couch. Okay. And I share that story because sometimes As an earthly father, I fail, and I am not slow to anger. Okay, Sometimes I get angry too quick. Okay, But we have a heavenly father that is slow to anger. I heard a story one time of a man who uh, took off his gold Rolex watch, and he laid it on the desk, and he said, I'm going to stand here, and I'm going to blaspheme God. And I am giving God five minutes to strike me dead. Took his watch off, laid it there, and just said some vile terrible things about the Lord and just waited and waited and one minute went by, two minutes went by, three minutes women are fainting and passing out, they're afraid what's going to happen. Five minutes go by, nothing happens, he picks up his watch, puts it back on his wrist and said, see, God doesn't exist. They told a pastor about this story, you know, about this guy doing this and the pastor responded, he said, that doesn't prove that God doesn't exist, it just proves that God is patient. <laughs> Okay, uh, God is a loving God. He's slow to anger. He is compassionate. He is gracious. Uh, now, does that mean that we should just do whatever we feel like doing? Absolutely not. Uh, and Paul says that. Shall we sin more that may, grace may abound? And he says, God forbid that we would do that. Actually, in light of this, the fact that he is slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness ought to compel us To live a life that is pleasing to him and not do something that would test his slowness to anger and his loving kindness. So, uh, the slowness of his anger. The second characteristic that we see here is the strength of his mercy. The strength of his mercy. In verse 10. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Uh, That's mercy. Oftentimes we use the word mercy and grace interchangeably. They're not the same thing. Mercy is not receiving what I deserve. Okay? I go stand before a judge and, you know, I... Robbed a store. Okay, I deserve to go to jail, and if the judge says to me, says, "Well, you know, you've you've been such a good guy, you know, up until this point in your life, I'll just let you go free. You'll have to do some community service." That is mercy. I didn't receive what I deserve. Grace, on the other hand, is receiving what I don't deserve. Okay, and so um, um, you know. I didn't work out today, so my wife still gives me ice cream tonight. Okay? Uh, that's receiving something that I didn't deserve. Uh, you and I, because of Jesus, we don't have to go to hell because of our sin. That's the mercy of God, because we deserve to go to hell. The grace of God says not only do you not have to go to hell, but now you get to go to heaven and live forever. That's the, that's the grace of God that we receive that. Okay? And so the strength of his mercy, he says here in verse 10, he has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. He hasn't given us what we deserve. There was an older couple that had been married for 65 years. How long have you guys been married? 65. 61. You're almost there. And maybe, you know, you can, maybe you have put this into practice and that's why you've made it 61 years. Uh, The lady was asked, how is it that you guys have been married so long? and she said well I decided early on when we first got married that I was going to make a top 10 list of things that he could do and I would not get upset about them okay and uh, asked what and so this person asked what's on that list and she said well I never really got around to making the list but every time he did something that made me hopping mad I would just say that's on the list (laughs) 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 you see that's mercy The strength of God's mercy, and this is so closely associated with his loving kindness and his compassion and his grace, that the strength of his mercy says he's not going to give us, even when we do maybe exhaust his anger. Even when he does get to the point of anger, because he is a merciful God, he has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Number three, third characteristic, is the scope of his forgiveness verse 11 for as high as the heavens are above the earth how high are is outer space
1: Infinite.
0: it goes on forever and ever as far as high as the heavens are above the earth so great is his loving kindness his <laughs> toward those who fear him so just as far as outer space goes is how great his loving kindness are, is toward us. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Uh, I was talking about this one time with somebody, and it was an older fellow, and he goes, well, the east and west are very far apart. He says, right here, I stand. This is east and this is west. They're right there together. Okay? And I said to him, I said, well, it's the difference. God could have said, as far as the north is from the south, why didn't he say as far as the north is from the south?
1: That's a real distance.
0: Yeah, you you can only go north. Yeah, you can only go north so far, and then eventually you're going to start going south again. You can can you can go east forever and ever and ever. You can go west as far as forever and ever and ever. And so that's why he specifically chose east and west because you can never. Stop going east if you decide to go east forever. You can never stop going west. And that's what he says here. He says, so as far as the outer space is away from the earth is how great his loving kindness is toward us. And as far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. Okay? And so uh, this is the scope of his forgiveness. Okay? Okay? Again, I'll share another story about a married couple. Um, they had married quite a while, and they decided they were going to do a fault box. And uh, any time that one spouse did something the other didn't like, they would write it down and put it in a box. And uh, after they had been married for 20, 30 years, something like that, they decided they would give each other the box. Okay, And, uh, you know, the lady opened up the box, and it said, you know... Um, You made me wait in the driveway. You know, all these things that just irritated him. Uh, The man then opened up his box. And he opened up the first one and said, I love you. He opened up the second one and said, I love you. And over and over again, every time she was frustrated, she just simply wrote, I love you, and put it in the box. And that's what God has done for us. Think about how infinite our sins are. I mean, I don't know about you. I can't go typically an hour without doing something, saying something, thinking something that I shouldn't do. And God has to forgive me. And every single time, God just writes a note and says, I love you. Because he said, as far as the east is from the west, so far I have removed your sins, your iniquities from you. I don't even associate you with them any longer because of Jesus. All right. Number four is the security of his knowledge. The security of his knowledge. Verse 13. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. (laughs) There is security in knowing that God knows who we are. All right, God knows how we have been created. He knows that we are just but dust. He knows that we are finite, limited creation. And because of that knowledge he has for us, I think it's because of that that God is compassionate. It's because of that that God is merciful. It's because of that that God demonstrates his love toward us in all of those things. So again, that was a brief overview of Psalms. Um, Psalm 103 there, and we get a great picture of our Father who loves us and cares for us. Any questions, comments, complaints? Snide remarks? Do
1: you have the rest of who, um, which Psalms were written by people? Different people?